Happy Monday! They've been around since the dawn of time, but how much do we really know about them? What's the right way to use them? And do they really do what people say they do? Essential oils. How essential are they really? We're going to talk about it today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this slippery episode of Beauty Reform School. Oh, hi. You stumbled across Beauty Reform School, the podcast that explores beauty, style, reinvention, self-care, all from the perspective of the outside looking in. We pick apart the classics so you can confidently break the mold. And I'm your host, Bad Bad PJ Brown, the artist, the educator, the retail grunt, the problem child. The one who's done it the hard way for decades, and now I'm passing the savings on to you. So bring me your tired, your confused, your weirdos, your others yearning to breathe free. And if this sounds like you, grab your pen and grab your scratch pad, and let's figure this crap out together, right here at Beauty Reform School. Not too many tacks to brass this week, but I hope that all who celebrated enjoyed a lovely Mother's Day. And as you know, here at Beauty Reform School, we hold space to all mothers, to all others, to all kinds of family structures. We hold space to those who have lost, have adopted, have taken on other families, who have blended families, those who have fertility issues, those who have lost a child or more, those who have chosen to not be mothers, to the cat moms, to the cat, to the dog moms, to the dog mothers, (laughs) all of you, we hold space. And Given the current uh, the current news, the news in you know, the current news about the laws passing for um, about to pass, or uh, I don't crap. I'm not even gonna edit this because this is exactly how I feel about it. Ah, uh, crap. Um. There are some links, though. Um, I will try to provide them at on the blog at Beauty Reform School if you're interested in filling out any uh, petitions for overturning um, any overturnings that might occur. Um, but I will say this. Uh... <sighs> All right. Let's just get it out. I, I said there weren't a lot of brass tacks, but that's because I wasn't going to say anything. But I will say this. And then we can get on with the episode. <sighs> when it comes to abortion laws, I'm not even going to get into if they're essential. Because anyone who's ever been in a situation where they had to make a decision about reproduction, 
understands how essential they are. And even if someone has a particular religious belief, that doesn't change that because everyone has been in that situation, the decision to have agency over their body. Everyone has been in the decision to want to have agency over their body, be it reproductive or otherwise. And to have someone tell you what you can and cannot do with your own body, not cool, just not cool. Having said that, I will say this, this isn't about that. This isn't about trying to regulate and control babies. It's not about babies. It's not. It can't be. Because if it was, there wouldn't be so many children hungry in the world. There wouldn't be so many young mothers who had no way to take care of their children in the world. There would be resources put in place. There would be help. Childbirth wouldn't be so expensive in this country. Healthcare would be more readily available. It's one thing to tell someone that they can and cannot have a child or when they can have a child or when they can't have a child. But it seems to me that it stops there. It doesn't seem to me like this same government who's overturning things is taking a lot of time and effort to make sure that when these children are born and brought into this world, they continue to be cared for. Once they're born, it seems like they're on their own. So it's an insult, not only to women and people who give birth, but it's an insult that you try to control that with laws that suit your purposes. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Period. (sighs) Deep breath. In through the nose, out through the mouth. If anyone has opinions that disagree with mine, I want you to know that that is 110% fine. But I will not engage in arguments about this. I will not. So, you can argue elsewhere. Yep. All right. Moving on. Have you ever wanted to, it sounds so silly for me to get into this. I'm not even going to get into the promo for it, but I'm going to move on with, uh, to remind all of you about the Patreon. I'm going to remind you all about the Patreon. I'm going to do it now. Let's go. Resources for today's episode are hopkinsmedicine.org, healthline.com, repeller.com, mayoclinic.org, and healingsense.net. Now, 
without further ado, let's get on with the episode. Ooh, I am fired up. I thought that I would be uh, nice and calm for this episode um, because, well, you know, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm going to need some essential oils after this episode, after I finish recording this. Um, yeah, and you know, full transparency, I'll, I'll be one of the first to tell you that I I no longer have a uterus. So if I was a selfish person, I'd go, oh, that's a shame. Anyway, moving on, I don't have a uterus. It doesn't affect me. And it seems that a lot of people do feel that way. Not that they don't have a uterus, but if it doesn't affect them, they don't care. And that is not cool. Um, I'm going to say that uh, it's not just about if it affects you. It affects everyone in some shape or form it does reach out and touch you and may i remind you that once they finish noodling around with this law they're going to be coming for the other ones and guess what some of those laws might mean a little bit more to you so let's all have a little compassion a little empathy and let's care shall we let's just care right Anyway, I know I said I was done, but I think that's it. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I promise. I'm done for this episode. I'm done for this episode. And this is why, by the way, side note, this is why I do not like to talk about these kind of subjects on the on the podcast because I get fired up. So we're going to just put that off to the side, put it in a box, shut the lid for a minute so we can talk about essential Class is officially in session. Essential oils, or aromatic oils as they were once called, have been used by many cultures around the world for centuries. Their uses varied between cultures from religious purposes to healing the sick. It's difficult to pinpoint exactly when essential oils gain notoriety as effective healing agents, but eventually the knowledge of essential oils spread around the globe. The earliest evidence of human knowledge of the healing properties of plants was found in Leco, located in the, oh boy, Dordogne region of France, or Lesco, maybe Lesco? Um, you can all tell me. <laughs> there, cave paintings suggest the use of medicinal plants in everyday life that have been carbon dated as far back as 18,000 BCE. In Egypt, evidence and recorded history have both shown that the Egyptians used aromatic oils as early as 4,500 BCE. They became renowned for their knowledge of cosmetology, ointments, and aromatic oils. The most famous of their herbal preparations, kifi, was a mixture of 16 ingredients that could be used as incense, perfume, or medicine. They used balsams, perfumed oils, scented barks, resins, spices, and aromatic vinegars in everyday life. Oils and pastes from plants were transformed into pills, powders, suppositories, medicinal cakes, and ointments. 
ashes and smoke from aniseed, cedar, onion, garlic, grapes, and watermelon, among others, were also used. At the height of Egypt's power, priests were only the only authorities allowed to use aromatic oils as they were regarded as necessary to be at one with the gods. Specific fragrances were dedicated to each deity and their statues were anointed with these oils by their followers. Pharaohs had their own special blends for meditation, love, war, and so on. Aromatic gums such as cedar and myrrh were used in the embalming process and traces of these have been found on mummies today. Despite the importance of aromatic oils in Egyptian society, they never distilled their own and in fact imported oils of cypress and cedar. In China, the use of aromatic oils was first recorded in China between 2697 to 2597 BCE during the reign of Huang Ti, the legendary Yellow Emperor. His famous book, The Yellow Emperor's Book of Internal Medicine, contains uses for several aromatics and is still considered a useful classic by practitioners of Eastern medicine today. In India, traditional Indian medicine called Ayurveda has a 3,000 year history of incorporating essential oils into their healing potions. Vedic literature lists over 700 substances, including cinnamon, ginger, myrrh, and sandalwood as effective for healing. During the outbreak of the bubonic plague, Ayurveda was used successfully in replacing ineffective antibiotics. The purpose of aromatic plants and oils were not only for medicinal purposes, but were believed to be a godly part of nature and played an integral, an integral, integral, I can never say that word, to the spiritual and philosophic outlook in Arabic medicine. And in Greece, between 400 to 500 BCE, the Greeks recorded knowledge of essential oils adopted from the Egyptians. Ointment of myrrh was carried by soldiers into battle to counter infections. The Greek physician Hippocrates, who was around 460 to 377 BCE, known to use to us as the father of medicine, documented the effects of some 300 plants, including thyme, saffron, majorum, cumin, and peppermint. Hippocrates' extensive knowledge of plants and their essences was Ayurvedic in origin and was gained in part through the Greek soldiers' encounter with Ayurvedic medicine on the Indian subcontinent during their travels with Alexander the Great. They found Ayurveda to be harmonious with their own medicinal practices and evidence of the mingling of these two traditions can still be found in use by remote tribes today. Hippocrates wrote, a perfumed bath and a scented massage every day is the way to good health. The literature left by him and his students contain the most important principle in modern medicine. Above all purpose of a doctor is to awaken the natural healing energies within the body. 
Hippocrates' wisdom influences modern medicine to this day in the form of the Hippocratic Oath taken by all doctors. Galen was another Greek who reportedly his vast knowledge of plants and their medicines had a remarkable impact on how we classify information today. He began as a surgeon at a school for gladiators, and it was said that no gladiator died of his wounds during Galen's term as a physician. His reputation became known, and he was promoted to personal physician to the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius. He wrote a great deal on the theory of plant medicine and divided plants into various medicinal categories that are still known as Galenic today. In Rome, the Romans were known for lavishly, lavish, ugh, for lavishingly applying perfumed oil to their bodies, bedding, and clothes. It was also customary for the Romans to use oils in massage and baths. Roman physicians brought books written by Galen and Hippocrates with them as they fled during the fall of the Roman Empire. These texts were later translated into Persian, Arabic, and other languages. In Persia, Ali ibn Sana, commonly known as Avicenna, the Arab Avicenna, I think. I think it's Avicenna, the Arab, lived from 980 to 1037 AD. He was a child prodigy and became a well-educated physician by the age of 12. Al-Ibn wrote books on the properties of 800 plants and their effects on the human body. He is also credited for being the first person to discover and record the method of distilling essential oils. His methods are still in use. In Europe, during the Crusades, the knights and their armies were responsible for passing on knowledge of herbal medicines that they learned in the Middle East throughout Western Europe. The knights acquired knowledge of distillation and carried perfumes with them. Frankincense and pine were burned in the streets to ward off evil spirits during the bubonic plague of the 14th century. It was noted that less people died of the plague in the areas where this was done. In 1653, Nicholas Culpepper wrote this, the complete herbal, which still stands as a valuable reference. His book describes many conditions and their remedies that are still appropriate today. French chemist Rene Maurice Gattafosse coined the term aromatherapy while investigating the antiseptic properties of essential oils. Gattafosse's book, The Aromatherapy, was published in 1928 in which he details cases of essential oils and their healing capabilities. The book was influential in medical practices in France. Gattafosse's discovered the incredible healing properties of lavender accidentally when a small explosion occurred in his laboratory. One of Gattafosse's hands was badly burned. He quickly immersed it in the nearest tray of liquid. The liquid was essential oil of lavender, and to his astonishment, 
He observed that his hand healed with no infection or scarring. He and a colleague conducted further research on the healing properties of lavender and introduced it to many of the hospitals in France. During the outbreak of Spanish influenza, there was no reported deaths of hospital personnel, which was credited to the use of lavender. Oh, okay. So, today, essential oils are used to add scent to cosmetics and cleaning products and flavor to food and beverages but they're also used as medical treatments by application to the skin through ingestion or through inhalation, the latter commonly being referred to as aromatherapy. Essential oils have a long history of use, as we've learned, and they were used for thousands of years in cosmetics and perfumes and for therapeutic purposes. Essential oils are not vital to humans, as their name might suggest, though. They're compounds extracted from plants through a distillation or cold pressing process captures the plant's essential scent and flavor. Now, known for demystifying chemistry, Joe Schwartz, director of McGill University's Office for Science and Society explains that many plants' compounds are volatile. Some are destined to attract pollinators others to ward off bugs that have the intention of making a tasty meal of the leaves. It is the volatile chemicals that are regarded as the plant's essence and are the ones captured in the essential oil. In fact, another name for essential oil is volatile oil. Now all of this sounds really good, right? We got the history down. We know, we now know where they came from. We now know how they're used today. So what's the problem? Sounds good, all of it so far. Here's the problem. Essential oils are an unregulated market. Like other complementary and alternative medicines, the essential oil market is unregulated. Several years ago, the Food and Drug Administration, which re regulates prescription medication, issued a warning about Young Living's marketing. After reviewing the company's websites and social media accounts, the FDA found that the company was mislabeling and misbranding their products as drugs even though they were not approved as such. The company had been marketing their products as cures, treatments, and preventative measures for things like viral Ebola, Parkinson's disease, autism, diabetes, hypertension, cancer, insomnia, heart disease, post-traumatic stress disorder, dementia, and multiple sclerosis. Per ATTN's reporting, the FDA sent similar warnings to doTERRA and another company. An FDA spokesperson, Lindsay Meyer, informed the outlet that consumers should be wary of fraud and scams that involve claims to prevent, treat, and cure health conditions. Health fraud scams waste money and can lead to de delays in getting proper diagnosis and treatment. They can also cause serious or even fatal injuries. Ugh. The companies have 
also had legal troubles unrelated to product claims. The language on Young Living's website and other similar companies' websites has since softened, for example, by claiming the scent will now help you, quote, refocus, end quote. No proven benefits. As opposed to medical medicine, CAM is difficult to clock as pseudoscience or not because human studies and clinical trials of things like essential oils are lacking. If patients talk about using them as treatment, they'll get stopped right there. Okay? Now, I'm going to take a, a moment and tell you about this, though. Now, I'm sure that some of you who are listening are going to say, oh, for years you know my family has used essential oils or I personally have used essential oils and and they work for me and this is not to say that they don't I just want that to be clear and I'll be the first to tell you that in my family all kinds of uh, vegetables oils fruits all kinds of things have been used um, to treat illnesses problems things like that um and my family has been very knowledgeable in the way of what products are good what foods and products and oils are good to help treat symptoms of things okay so i'm gonna let you know that i'm definitely i definitely believe in the use of certain things but we're going to get into you know, caveats in a minute. So I just wanted to say that first. All right. So according to two studies, one in 2000 and another in 2012, there's no convincing evidence that aromatherapy can calm hypertension, depression, anxiety, pain, or symptoms or dementia. Um, Schwartz adds that studies shown to prove the benefits of essential oils are often not reliable noting that the scent of lavender may have a calming effect in some people and help with sleep, but it can cause headaches in others. And while it may be true that scents can be calming and pleasing to people, Pam Dalton of the Monell Chemical Senses Center says that they likely aren't working due to any pharmacological or biological effects, but rather a sensory psychological effect. For instance, the scent of mint may make you feel more alert because it stimulates a nerve that allows you to perceive irritation and pain or lack thereof. In other words, these are mood-based changes rather than psychological ones, and the evidence for the mood-based changes depend on subjective memories that you have tied to particular scents. Dalton is currently working on a project funded by an essential oil company, but she says she's still skeptical. In addition, in most studies, looking at the benefits of aromatherapy on cancer patients as complementary to chemotherapy and other treatments, the results are mixed. Dermatologist Diane Burson, who recently spoke at a conference about essential oils as a cos- cosmic, oh, that's a weird word, cosmetical trend? Okay, we're gonna go with that, says they typically okay the use in skincare products if you don't have an allergic reaction to them. Many people use them since they're advertised as botanicals, quote unquote, but she says there's no evidence that these are any better than ingredients made synthetically. 
Now that's an interesting point. That's another hiccup when it comes to essential oils. For those people who use them and feel that they work well for them, that is fantastic. There may be other people though who have allergic reactions, whose skin is more sensitive to the oil. And that is why it's important to do the research for yourself, find out what works for you and what is safe for you. See unregulated market, back to that. Because when it comes to a product that is supposed to be able to have claims, it has to be able to have strong claims that can work for just about everybody. That reminds me of back in the day when a lot of brands always threw up the word non-comedogenic. Now, the thing about that is they had to slowly start backing off of that claim because there really is no such thing as non-comedogenic. Somebody's always going to be allergic to something. So to declare that something it won't cause an allergic reaction for anyone is a little lofty. You got to be mindful about those kind of things. Everybody's DNA and makeup is different and we all react differently to different things. So you have to word things very, very, very carefully. And I think that's the heart of this episode. That's the essence of what we're talking about because you can't prove that something is going to be safe for everyone when it comes to essential oils. You just don't know how people react to different ingredients. And that's why there has to be disclaimers on these things. And it also helps if you learn more about essential oils and you learn more about ingredients because, you know, like now they're selling um, those allergy tests now to see what things bother you. There are certain ingredients that we have that we don't even know bother us yet. So how can you know when it comes to an essential oil? You have to find out. That's the answer. (laughs) Okay. So inhaling the aromas from essential oils can stimulate areas of your limbic system, which is a part of your brain that plays a role in emotions, behavior, sense, smell, and long-term memory. Okay. Although people claim essential oils are natural remedies for a number of ailments, there's not enough research to determine their effectiveness in human health. Research of lab studies are promising. One at John Hopkins found that certain essential oils could kill a type of Lyme bacteria better than antibiotics, but results in human clinical trials are mixed. Some studies indicate that there's a benefit of using essential oils, while others show no improvement in symptoms. Clinical trials have looked at whether essential oils can alleviate conditions such as anxiety, depression, nausea, insomnia, low appetite, and dry mouth. But research is ongoing. So how can you use essential oils safely? The quality of essential oils on the market varies greatly from pure essential oils to those diluted with less expensive ingredients. And because there's no regulation, the label may not even list everything that's in the bottle you're buying. That's why essential oils should not be ingested. Johns Hopkins also advises against using essential oil diffusers, small household appliances that create scented vapor. 
Diffusion in public area or household with multiple members can affect people differently. For example, peppermint is often recommended for headaches, but if you use it around a child who's less than 30 months old, the child can become agitated. It could have, it could have a negative effect. Additionally, someone with a fast heartbeat can react adversely to peppermint. The safest ways to use essential oil include aromatherapy accessories like necklaces, bracelets, and keychains made with absorbent materials. You apply essential oils to and sniff throughout the day. Body oil, a mixture of essential oils with a carrier oil such as olive, jojoba, or coconut oil that can be massaged into skin. Because essential oils are concentrated, they can cause irritation. Avoid using them full strength on skin. An aroma stick, also called an essential oil inhaler. These portable plastic sticks have an absorbent wick that soaks up essential oil, and they come with a cover to keep the scent under wraps until you're ready to use it. Now, some people might be scoffing at this and saying, well, I put it right on my skin and I'm fine. We're not talking about that. If it works for you, then that's great. Ignore this airplane over my head right now. If it works for you, then it's great, but it's not. We're talking, we're talking on a wide margin. We're not talking about the individual. There are certain things that I use that I'm okay with, but there are also other things that I can't use because I'm sensitive to them. And that's true of most people. If you're a unicorn that can drink essential oil or take baths in it without water, then that's great. I'm sure you smell awesome. I'm sure you smell fantastic. I'm sure you're healthy as a horse. But we're talking about in general. Now, allergic reactions to essential oils. A small number of people may experience irritation or allergic reactions to certain essential oils. Now, you're more likely to have a bad reaction if you have atopic dermatitis or a history of reactions to topical products. Although you can experience a reaction to any essential oil, there are more likely to be problematic ones, including oregano oil, cinnamon bark oil, jasmine oil, lemongrass oil, lang lang oil, chamomile oil, or bergamot oil. Because pure essential oils are potent, diluting them in a carrier oil is truly the best way to avoid a bad reaction when applying directly to the skin. And if you get a red itchy rash or hives after applying essential oils, go see your doctor because you may be having an allergic reaction. How on earth do we find quality essential oils? Well, the most important thing to consider when shopping for essential oils is product quality. But figuring out which oils are best is challenging since there's no government agency in the U.S. that provides a grading system or certification for essential oils. A big problem? Many companies claim that their essential oils are therapeutic grade, but that's just a marketing term. Unfortunately, there are a lot of products you might find online or in stores that aren't harvested correctly or may have something in them that isn't listed on the label. Here are some tips to help you shop for pure essential oils. Look at the label. It should include the Latin name of the plant, information on purity or other ingredients added to it, and the country in which the plant was grown. Evaluate the company. Purchase products from a well-known and reputable aromatherapy company that's been around for several years. 
choose dark colored glass containers because pure essential oils are highly concentrated and they can dissolve plastic bottles over time, tainting the oil. Most companies package essential oils in small brown or blue glass bottles to protect the quality. Avoid fragrance oils because fragrance or perfume oils are made from essential oils combined with chemicals or, or entirely from chemicals. They're not suited for aromatherapy. Instead, look for bottles that contain a single essential oil in its purest form, 100% essential oil with no other fillers. And compare your prices because essential oils range in price depending on how involved harvesting and production are. Within a line, there should be a wide variety of prices. Rose Absolute or Sandalwood oils will be more expensive, while Sweet Orange oil will be on the less expensive end. If you find a rock bottom price for an expensive essential oil, it probably isn't pure. And essential oils can lift your mood and make you feel good with just a whiff of their fragrance. For many people, they may even help alleviate the symptoms of various conditions. For more information on how to incorporate them into a healthy li lifestyle, I will leave a link in the blog on the usual place at beautyreformschool.com. Now, if you're wondering just a quick, you want a quick list, quick basics of um, the popular types, because there's more than 90 types, um, each with its own unique smell and potential health benefits. Here's the top 10. Peppermint is used to boost energy and aid digestion. Lavender, used to relieve stress. Sandalwood, used to calm nerves and help with focus. Bergamot, used to reduce stress and improve skin conditions like eczema. Rose, used to improve mood and reduce anxiety. Chamomile, used to improve mood and relaxation. Lang Lang, to, reduce, to treat headaches, reduce nausea and skin conditions. Uh, tea Tree, used to fight infections and boost immunity. Jasmine, used to help with depression, childbirth, and libido. Lemon, used to aid digestion, mood, headaches, and more. Now you'll notice that a lot of those ingredients are used in some of your favorite skincare products to work towards um, helping with different issues that you may have. Tea tree oil is used a lot in um, things with, where you have skin irritation, skin problems, where um, tea tree is also used to help uh, with acne and breakouts. It also helps to clear debris and any kind anytime you're trying to clean things antiseptic that's the word I'm looking for they have antiseptic properties so you'll notice that a lot of those ingredients are in things and um, you'll also notice that some of those that I named are often used in tea so and that's a safe way of ingesting those kind of things so peppermint tea would is great for the stomach Lavender tea used when you're trying to get some rest and relax to either just relaxation or to go to sleep at night, as well as chamomile helps to relax you. Um, bergamot used to reduce stress. Very good for that. Um, so you'll notice that a jasmine tea also great for if you're battling with depression, things like that. So you can do the research and look more into these products if you'd like to receive the benefits that these products have. But again, 
quality over quantity and make sure you check to see if these things are safe for you and good for you. And if you find yourself having any uh, reactions from them, then you go see your doctor. Okay. I'm going to add some more information on the blog. Um, so I'm going to add you some more information on the blog because there's so much more we could talk about and maybe we'll do a part two later on. We'll see. But uh, that ought to wrap it up for you right now. Um, yeah. Okay. That ought to wrap it up for us right now. That this has been, this has been helpful. This has been helpful. I would love to get someone who actually studies uh, aromatherapy, selling or essential oils, healers, things of that nature. I would love to get your insight. If you know a good healer, if you know someone that specializes in essential oils, please send them my way so that we can do a part two and dig even deeper into this. That would be fantastic. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, it was a pleasure bringing it to you. Please be sure to like, follow, and review if you haven't already. I know it's a task, but it keeps us alive in the algorithm so we can continue to bring you episodes like this one as well as be easy to find for new listeners so we can grow our community. And you know me, I'm always on the hunt for new people to talk to, new topics, and new stories. So tell me your experiences with beauty, your beauty horror stories, and if you have someone that you think I'd love to chat with, send them my way. And if you don't know how to do that, you can do it in one of three ways. Facebook at Beauty Reform School, Instagram also Beauty Reform School, or you can go right to the source at beautyreformschool.com. Thank you so much for your listenership, and thank you in advance for your listenership in the future. And pencils down. Class is dismissed. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>